Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort. Amen. Dear friends in Christ, were you not strong enough to keep watch for one hour? One hour. That's all that Jesus was asking, to join him in prayer, to keep watch with him. One hour. And Peter, James, and John just couldn't do it. You know what we could do with that question and its implications? And in fact, has been done? We could use it to recruit people to attend these Lenten services. Just aim it at the people who don't come and use the question asked by Jesus himself to shame them into keeping watch with us for one hour every week for an evening's worship. Pretty powerful stuff, huh? Well, we could do that, but we won't do that. That is what is known as law motivation, and that is not the way that Christians or churches are supposed to operate. But even if we didn't care about whether it was right or wrong, even if we didn't care about the theology of it, the practical of it would argue against using Christ's question to, to get a good response from the weak in church attendance? Because what do we see there in Gethsemane that Thursday night? It didn't even work for Jesus. Those three disciples just fell asleep again after he woke and challenged them. What was their problem? Didn't they care about Jesus? Did they not want to keep watch with him in his hour of need? Or did maybe they just thought it was unimportant? Did they maybe resent him for bringing them out there into the cold and dark and damp olive grove when there were other things that they'd rather be doing in the big city during Passover? None of those things. Their problem was a simple one that you and I are both, we're all intimately familiar with. They were tired. It was late. It was dark. And the day had been a taxing one, emotionally and mentally, if not also physically. And their bodies did what bodies do when exhaustion is combined with stillness in the dark. They slept. We can't blame them. And really, neither did Jesus. He was disappointed. Yes. They should have done better. Yes. But he understood. Therefore, he added a warning or encouragement to his question. Watch and pray so that you do not enter into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. You can relate, can't you? I certainly can. There are so, so many things, good things, spiritual things, worthwhile things, loving things, 
So many things that my spirit is willing to do, even intends and commits to do, but my flesh, well, my flesh just isn't up to. My flesh dilly-dallies, delays, gets distracted, decides to take a nap or watch TV first, finds something more fun or easier to do instead, usually promising my spirit, I'll get to that good thing later. And of course, later never comes. Imagine how many times Peter, James, and John over the course of their lives, thought about that night and regretted the weakness of their flesh, thought about how they might have supported their master and friend by praying with him that night before his agonies and death. But they instead let sleep take them away. And that, of course, was not the only weakness that night that they would have regretted. What did they do when their false brother Judas arrived with the mob from the priests and elders? Did they speak up? Did they stand with Jesus and condemn the travesty of justice that was taking place or or challenge their fellow disciple and seek to shame him into undoing what he had done? No, they all shrank back afraid of being identified and taken away with their teacher. Only Peter did something. Impetuous Peter, always ready to speak or act before thinking. He lashed out with a sword and lopped off an ear. But that, that was hardly strength. It was an act born of fear and anxiety with no consideration of whether it was what Jesus wanted or not. And he did not want it. Jesus told Peter to put his sword away and and then healed the ear of the high priest's servant. And then he explained something about the kind of strength that his followers should desire and display. He explained that it's not about physical force, but about doing what God wants done. And that it is something sometimes showed more by restraint than by action. And he made that particularly clear by informing them that he could could have more than 12 legions of angels appear to defend him in an instant. But he would not do that. He had the strength to allow himself to be taken away, as unjust and unpleasant as it was, because it needed to happen. This was God's plan, predicted by the prophets, and it was necessary for the world's salvation. Christ would not let the weakness of anyone's flesh stand in but it took strength to submit. That's what he had asked for when he prayed just a short time earlier there in the garden, and he said, may your will be done. Luke's Gospel tells us that while he prayed, an angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. 
And his flesh, which was thoroughly human, needed that answer to his prayers to get through what he would endure in the coming hours. Christ would be strong to resist the temptation to call down fire from heaven on his enemies, strong to take the blows and stings and spit aimed at him without responding, strong to listen to the lies laid against him without forcing their correction, strong not to refuse the crown of thorns, the whip, the nails, the cross, the forsaking, the denying, the dying. And strong. Strong not to simply say, nope, not now, not ever, not me. I don't want this cup. And walk away. His disciples lacked that strength. They did not just walk. They ran away. They deserted him and fled when he was taken. Their flesh was weak. Even though their hearts were undoubtedly filled with good intentions. But good intentions was, that's not enough. Because there was also weakness there. And yet, there was plenty of strength for them in God's heart. And he wanted them to have it, just as he had strengthened Jesus when he prayed. I mentioned earlier that trying to shame people into coming to church with, were you not strong enough to keep watch for one hour, is trying to motivate people to do what is good using the law. That will sometimes work for a time, but it will never really achieve what God desires or or what we as his children desire and intend because it does nothing to actually remove our weakness. It may provide some kind of kick in the pants, but it doesn't give us strength. We we can use our, our own muscles to illustrate. Imagine that you get a job on a farm, and you're excited to start. First day, the farmer takes you out to the field and says, here's your job for the next eight hours. Take those bales of hay, which are each 50 to 60 pounds, and throw them up to Ralph there on the truck as it goes by. Now, your enthusiasm might get you started, and Ralph making fun of you may get a bit more effort out of you. But if you simply do not have the muscle power to lift and throw those bales for eight hours, well, that's it. And if the farmer sees the problem and comes out and encourages you, that's still not going to help at all if you are just too weak. In the same way, when our spirits are willing, but our flesh is weak, whether from distraction or fear or or lack of discipline, all the encouragement in the world won't make us strong and no amount of mockery will enable us to accomplish the things that, that we as Christians have set our hearts to do. It's frustrating. It can even bring us to tears 
as we, we feel shame in the same way that, that Peter, James, and John undoubtedly did. Shame when, when we feel, fail to do the things that we have promised Jesus, promised our loved ones, promised our church, or even just committed to ourselves that we will do. But God has a way to transfer the strength in His heart to our hearts. We call it gospel motivation. And it is what He has given Christ's church to put power behind our good desires and intentions. Paul wrote in Galatians 2 about how this worked out in his life. I have been crucified with Christ. And I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I am now living in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. When Jesus told the sleepy three in Gethsemane to watch and pray so that you do not enter into temptation, he was pointing them to the grace of God, not to some source of inner strength. They could pray such prayers as he encouraged them to pray because they had Christ as their Savior. They had access to the power of God through their trust in him, even though at that time their understanding was limited. And we have the same access to God's gracious power because we have the gospel and we have put our trust in Jesus. We have been crucified with Christ and we no longer live, but Christ lives in us. We are new creatures. We are no longer bound to the weakness of our flesh, but as redeemed forgiven, restored children of God, we are now able to do the things that were previously impossible for us through the possibility that the Lord provides. Sure, we still live in our flesh, but we live in it by faith in the Son of God who loved us and gave Himself for us. So where do we go? Where do we go when we lack the strength to follow through on our good intentions? We go to the gospel. And what do we do when other Christians in our lives, our families, our churches, lack the strength to follow through on their good intentions? We point them to the gospel. That is where God has placed His power. So we read our Bibles. We remember our baptisms. We eat and drink Christ's body and blood in the Lord's Supper. We listen when the good news of Jesus is preached and taught and we take it to heart. We rejoice to come here and hear the words of absolution that follow our confession of sins. And of course, we pray as Jesus told Peter, James, and John to do. Prayer is a communication from our hearts straight to God's heart. And He has promised to always answer the prayers of His children. We approach Him in weakness. 
with our flesh holding us back from all that we wish to do in Christ's name, and for Christ's sake, He gives us His strength so that we do and that we are all that He has called and wills us to do and to be. When God's heart reaches out and meets what is in His people's hearts, He makes both our spirits and our flesh strong. That's what He does. That's how He loves us. And we cannot thank Him enough for it. Amen. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with your spirit. Amen.